It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. could see the video on that. That is in 2008, and that is George W. Bush dancing with the Ukrainian dance team. Oh, but not by himself. He's dancing with Vladimir Putin. It is so strange and actually very funny. Uh, but the unfunny part about it is they were there in 2008, tried to get Ukraine and Georgia. He was negotiating. I don't mean Putin. Uh, President uh, Bush at the time was trying to get Ukraine and Georgia into NATO, which would, of course, prevented everything that's happening in Ukraine right now. Uh, and so, and also, then an interesting clip has popped up, and this is uh, President Biden, uh, President before he was president, when he was a senator, and he's talking about um, how he is in favor of these Eastern European blocs being part of NATO. This is, this is, what clip is this? This is clip 10. Let's listen. I think the one place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission, having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, would be to admit the Baltic states now in terms of NATO-Russian, U.S.-Russian relations. And if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigorous and hostile reaction, I don't mean military, in Russia, it would be that. So the way I look at the calculus here... So the way he looks at the calculus here is didn't do it, didn't bring them in, didn't urge them to join or urge NATO to let them come in, and so now we have this mess. It's really interesting, isn't it, to look back on time? You know, with politicians especially, I, I used to, in fact, I used to use Joe Biden as an example because he was such a liar uh, because before there was audio and reporters going, you know, able to go around the country and capture every moment, every coffee clatch, you know, every meeting with a local Republican group, uh, politicians could just travel all over and say whatever they wanted and get away with it. But now, uh, with the 24-7 news cycle and everybody having a phone and uh, lifting, they have to be really careful. So that was Joe Biden way, way back when he was senator advocating for Ukraine and the Baltic states to be part of NATO. So what's happening in Ukraine? Let me just give you an update as best I can this morning. Um, according to the Ukrainians, they have killed Major General Vitaly Gerasimov, uh, who is the chief of staff of the Russia's 
41st Combined Arms Army. And so that's that's the big claim. U.S. officials estimate that 3,000-plus Russian soldiers have been killed in Ukraine, which is one for every 300 in their active-duty military. The United Nations is estimating on Monday that 1,735,068 people have fled Ukraine since February the 24th. Many of them are going into Romania. We know that many, many, many are going into Poland. And the war is now, uh, yesterday was the 13th day, so this is the 14th day. Uh, The World Bank has approved $723 million in emergency financing. And ironically, uh, a tweet by a gentleman named Javier Blas, who I don't know who that is, but there are no buyers for Russian oil. You know what? I guess the exception is the United States. It doesn't say that here. But according to what I'm reading, we are, we are certainly still buying Russian oil. Uh, but he says no buyers. The Russian oil producer, which is called Sergut Nift de Gas, that sounds like German. It is German. The Russian oil producer fails for the third consecutive time to sell Urals crude, crude via its regular tender. I cannot recall ever a situation like this. There are no buyers for Russian oil, even at record discounts. That's amazing. And I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that includes the United States, but I really don't know. It's interesting. Peter Ducey went back and forth with uh, Jen Psaki in several interesting clips yesterday, but I'm just going to play one of them for you for right now. Peter's become, my how he's grown. He really has grown into a really fine, hard-hitting reporter. Uh, and I just want you to hear the question that he asked. This is clip five. So gas prices are approaching an all-time high per gallon. How high would they have to get before President Biden would say, I'm going to set aside my ambitious climate goals and just increase domestic oil production, get the producers to drill more here, and we can address the fossil fuel future later? Well, again, Peter, the U.S. produced more oil this past year than in President Trump's first year. Next year, according to the Department of Energy, we will produce more oil than ever than ever before. Those are those are the facts in terms of oil production. And again, right now there are 9,000 unused approved permits to drill onshore. So I think you're misidentifying what the actual issue is. But if we're looking to the future and what how what we can do to prevent this from being a challenge in future crises, the best thing we can do is reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and foreign oil uh, because that will help us uh, have a a reliable source of energy so that we're not worried about gas prices going up because of the whims of a foreign dictator. Right, and you guys think that asking Saudi Arabia or Venezuela or Iran is reducing our dependence on foreign oil? That's actually, I just outlined each of those specific scenarios and the range of discussions that we're having uh, with each of those countries. I don't think anybody is at advocating for Iran to continue acquiring a nuclear weapon, perhaps except for the former president who pulled us out of the deal. Oh, I don't know wherever to even start, except that Peter's questions were good. Let me just say that Jen is saying that, oh, no, the reason we don't have oil is because of the gas producers, the oil producers, the exploration, whatever, the people that are out there in the industry. There's all these permits out there, and they're just not doing anything. So just ask them. Well, the oil oil industry responded. I won't play the clip, but let me just say that they said – that's that's just so ingenuous. These these permits are given out, and it requires exploration. It takes years for these permits to kick in and to be able to be used because of all the regulations 
Uh, so we we know, look, we know with our own eyes, we know that one of the first things that uh, Joe Biden did when he came into the White House, I think it was the first, the first 24 hours he was there, he shut down the pipelines and stopped fracking and stopped oil production in this country. And so it's not hard to figure out what's happening here, no matter what Jen Psaki says. And I just want to kind of emphasize this with another clip. We clip nine, Adam. As this is the transportation, Pete Buttigieg, um, talking about, you know, um, there's a way, you know, you have to worry about these high gas prices because we've got it. We've got it all figured out for you. Here's clip nine. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. So see, the answer is, for those of you that are having trouble because gas on the West Coast, by the way, is $7 now, um, you know, if you're having trouble driving, well, just go... (laughs) For heaven's sake, park that car that needs gasoline or a truck and just go buy an electric vehicle. That's that's the answer. I mean, what's the matter with you people? You don't have to pay that much. Just go buy an electric. We've laid it out. We've spent $5 billion on this. Oh, we, we, <laughs> they haven't really spent it. The charging stations are not there, even if, if electric was the way to go. Uh, the infrastructure's not there, but uh, they don't really care. Uh, they don't really care about the American people. And the middle class, the working class, they don't really care. Please get that into, let it soak into you, uh, that this really is a, a, a war, a, a, a really a war in this country between people who want to destroy and dismantle uh, and cripple any kind of opposition so that they can control, and the rest of us who just actually happen to love the country, actually happen to have enjoyed the freedom, the right kind of freedom, not freedom to do bad things, but freedom of decisions, personal decisions about whether you take a a shot or not, whether you can travel, whether you can take a job across the country, how you educate your children, where you go to church, whether you can go to church or not. Those are American freedoms, uh, and we actually still believe in them. And so we're fighting back, and we won't stop. And that takes me to something very practical. I talked to you about um, some of the funding for... Ukraine um, in the in the Congress now they're trying to uh, they're trying to combine a Ukraine aid bill with that big government funding bill and I've been telling you I think it's March 11th I think we've got three days before the deadline to fund the government with this big what they call the omnibus which is a nightmare trust me every time they pass an omnibus it's terrible and yet that's what they're working on and so we know that there are at least ten. GOP senators, and there are many, I don't know the numbers in the House, but they are still saying we will not sign off on a spending bill uh, that funds the uh, mandates, the vaccine mandates. We won't do that. Unless you forget, the mandates are still in place, like for healthcare workers. In fact, the Supreme Court yesterday ruled against, uh, in New York City, I think it was a group, I think it's healthcare workers. Uh, they said they didn't get they their religious exemptions were just ignored, and the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, just yesterday refused to hear the case. It's I, I don't I don't know what kind of a we, when they say we have a conservative Supreme Court, I just I want to like, are you kidding me? In fact, we're going to talk about the new nominee for the court today quite a bit, Katanji Brown Jackson, and what that means. But back to the spending and in the in the Congress. I want you to know that Senator Lee and, of course, um, uh, uh, um, oh, boy, 
uh, the Congressman Chip Roy uh, in the House is leading this uh, effort in Chip in the House and uh, Senator Lee in the Senate. And of course, they've got lots of great partners. And I want to remind you that you can help. You can help by going to Align Act, A L I G N A C T, and signing up to send. This is very simple to do. Align Act, I think that it's the top, I think it's the top um, uh, campaign that they have. And that is to tell your senators and congressmen to not, under any circumstance, fund the mandates. And, of course, when they throw this Ukraine aid in here, that's to make it harder, uh, to make them look like the villains, because they won't give Ukraine aid unless the mandates are dropped. So you can see the pressure that's being turned up under them, these guys that are trying to do what's right. So they need your support. So if you go to Align Act, A-L-I-G-N Act, uh, .com, I think it's .com, or I'm not sure, but you can check that out, Align Act. Uh, you can uh, take take that action. We'll put that on our Getter page again uh, to get you to weigh in on that. And while you're there, there's one other thing um, I would really I would really encourage you to do. Um, I've mentioned to you that Jenny and Clarence Thomas are under terrible attack by the New York Times, and they have posted they have published they published what they call an investigation of them uh, like last weekend or in the last week, and it's just filled with. Uh, things that are just completely false because they want Clarence Thomas off the court. That's just, So they're going after Jenny Thomas uh, to try to discredit and destroy her in order to get Clarence Thomas off the court. If that concerns you, and trust me, it concerns me, go to Align Act. There's another campaign you'll see there, which is uh, contacting the New York Times directly and ask, and, and calling them out. And these are these are reporters, editors. And um, I've said to you before, they don't like to be called out. They like to kind of like sit in their little rooms, uh, their little dark rooms with their pencils and throw mud and lies. But they don't like for them, them, they don't like their faces to be out there and their names to be out there. So let's just give them a little bit of their medicine. And so go to Align Act and you can jump in on that. Um, there's a, well, there's always a lot more to say. And so there is today, but coming up next, we have a special guest, uh, from Liberty Council, and she is an expert on this new Supreme Court nominee. I think we need to be concerned about this. I'm, I am concerned. It seems the Senate is kind of, the Republicans are kind of rolling, rolling over on this nomination. And I'm not at ease about this at all. Let's talk about it when we come back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Michael Horowitz, Inspector General at the United States Department of Justice. His office is responsible for conducting the investigations of DOJ employees and programs. Psalm 2521 reminds us of the importance of ethics. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Horowitz in his work at the Department of Justice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust, that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Anna Natrebko is no longer a member of the New York City Metropolitan Opera. Miss Natrebko was a beloved soprano with the famed opera. She was dumped after nearly 200 performances, not because she sang off-key, but because of her politics. Like many, she denounced Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but she failed to rebuke President Vladimir Putin. The 50-year-old Russian-born singer went so far as to call on Russia to end the war, but that was not good enough for the Met. The opera said they would no longer associate with any artist who supports Putin. In other words, the New York Met has a purity policy. If your politics don't square with those in charge, you're out of a job. It's not how good you can sing, it's whether you can toe the party line. I would urge you to read my latest book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation, available right now at your favorite bookstore and online at ToddSterns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's impossible to take hold of the world's spotlight overnight, create your own uniform, be a cover model, a powerful athlete, or compete as a trans woman. Impossible? No. I'm possible. About uh, the pride in being a trans athlete, is it? It's just amazing. Uh, it, it is just. Uh, it's it, and now we have this whole trans issue kind of being cross pollinated in the Ukraine war. This I got this yesterday. Ukraine. Transgender woman weeps as authorities classify them as men who must stay behind and fight. Transgender women in Ukraine say they are completely trapped and frightened for their life since their passports list them as guys rather than women. Because all of their identification cards say male and reference their previous masculine names, two Ukrainian trans women claim they can't leave the country or even safely travel through it. 
Human rights organizations have encouraged some trans persons to forget their ID in order to leave Ukraine. According to trans activists, hundreds of trans individuals in Ukraine are in severe danger and feel totally alone as a result of this situation. One trans woman expressed her fear of being caught while attempting to leave Ukraine and being compelled to join the Ukrainian army as a male. And it goes on and on and on. I, it's just, um, this is just like we, we are, they want us, they want us to believe complete lies. And if we don't believe these complete lies, then we get punished. Whether it's, you know, kicked off Twitter, silenced, uh, outed, I don't know. You know, it used to be death threats for me. It was just so simple, just simple death threats. I didn't, you know, was not able to, you know, stop banking or, uh, uh, you know, walk in my community. I just, you know, just simple little death threats. Oh, oh for the good old days. Uh, but I actually want us to go back and listen to that Adidas commercial again, since um, since it, it kind of surprised you when it came on. Let's just listen to what they say because it's just amazing. Let's listen again to 16, Adam. It's impossible to take hold of the world spotlight overnight, create your own uniform, be a cover model, a powerful athlete, or compete as a trans woman. Impossible? No. I'm possible. I am possible. That's what she says. I am possible. It's just so twisted, and it's so damaging. Um, I haven't actually talked about transgenderism enough in a long time. That used to be a real center of gravity for me in terms of conversation, but uh, and we, I'd like to return to that because I have some long-term knowledge of this, uh, but let me just say that my part of my knowledge is that this is just the uh, the suicide rate amongst transgendered persons is just exp- it's just amazing it is so high and i know personally because i had a very good friend who went through the whole transition um that it is it's a miserable process and it according to walt heyer who is a man who became a woman who then became became turned back to a man became a christian has this incredible story walt heyer in case you're just catching this on the fly, Walt has a great um, outreach to transgender persons all across the globe, and his last name is H-E-Y-E-R, so I won't get to go into it in great detail in this moment. Uh, but Walt Heyer, uh, who's become a good friend of mine through the years, was you know does these studies and compiles these statistics about uh, the effects of uh, tra- changing your gender. But I, you know, there was a there was a study a long time ago that really caught my eye before I'd even heard of such a thing, really. It was about a Canadian doctor who, uh, there were two little uh, babies, identical twins, uh, and at birth there was a problem. There was an accident during the circumcision, and uh, the little, one of the little boys, uh, his little man part was cut off. And so the doctor, the Canadian doctor, said, well, we could fix this, not a problem. We will just give him female hormones, and uh, we will turn him into a girl, and the other twin will be a boy. And there's a lot to say about that. There's videos of it. It's just the most incredible story. But it turns out it didn't work. It just didn't work. The child, you know, it worked physically. They put him in dresses and stuff, and he grew up with his, you know, brother, quote, quote, brother. He was the sister. Uh, and he was just miserable. The, the angst and the horror of what he went through, 
And when he got to be an adult, he ended up uh, going back to what his, he, I think he actually found out the truth somehow. Uh, and I think he ended up killing himself. It's just, um, that's one story, I know, but it's uh, why they are pushing this. And, of course, the Biden administration is pushing it very strongly because they are so tied to Black Lives Matter. Remember that Black Lives Matter is all about transgenderism. It's not just a Marxist group. Uh, they, are, they say very clearly they want to deconstruct the natural family and that they especially pl- black transgender females. That's their focus because they're run by a couple of black transgender females. So um, anyway, so that's, that's the story out of Ukraine that the transgender <coughs> soldiers, transgender uh, Ukrainians are worried that they're now going to have to fight. What is that? Makes you wonder what's going to happen in our military where they're busily transitioning hundreds of people <clears throat> from male to female, female to male at your tax dollars. Because, of course, Lloyd Austin <clears throat> believes that makes a stronger military. <clears throat> and so does Joe Biden. Well, I'm going to change the subject because I do want to talk about COVID a little bit. Uh, yesterday, let's see, <clears throat> excuse me. Yesterday, um, her name escapes me. We have a clip. Uh, one of our favorite COVID <laughs> rulers made a kind of an admission yesterday, which was pretty telling. Oh, Rochelle Walensky. And it's clip eight. Let's just listen to what she says. And she's trying to explain about how they misled us about the effectiveness of the vaccines. Let's listen. Clip eight. I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came that it was 95% effective on um, the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, So I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I I really do. I I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when, when, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, this vaccine's gonna work. Oh, well, (laughs) maybe it'll work, it'll wear off. Um, nobody said, well, what if the next variant doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as potent against the next variant. Yeah, so, you know, we didn't really, we just thought it was going to be, the, we didn't really understand, and we thought we were helping, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it's, it, why don't they, I wish Rochelle Walensky would walk across the street and go talk to the Supreme Court justices who just rejected the New York school workers' attempt to block the vaccine mandate. They did it yesterday. It's an unbelievable. Where are they? What what news are they watching? Aren't they aware about how things have changed publicly? With some things that many of us have been saying for months, probably now more than a year, and finally it's becoming public knowledge that the vaccines are not effective, that people who've been vaccinated are actually more likely to catch COVID, uh, that um, that these mandates are killing the economy, uh, that people have lost their jobs for nothing. So I guess the Supreme Court, I guess they're not watching. They must, I don't know. They're watching something, but they're not watching. They're not watching what's true. And by the way, Florida became the first state to recommend against COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. Uh, This happened just, you know, they have a brand new um, Surgeon General, uh, Joseph Lopato, and they were, he almost didn't make it through the confirmation stage because he's, uh, because the left doesn't want him there. And so, uh, so Florida is saying no to vaccines for healthy children. I don't think it's a law. It's a recommendation. But um, anyway, it's worth considering. I want to turn to something actually really important, and I'm just going to kind of freelance here. Um, we have elections right now. We've already already started primaries. I have to say the Texas primary snuck up on me big time. And I felt really badly about that because I try to warn you guys, but there are 50 states 
And it's going to be difficult for me to keep up with all 50 states. So I'm going to give you some general information. Uh, I read this article. This is the Washington um, Examiner. It says, uh, Texas primary turnout shows GOP enthusiasm edge. All right, now that's good, I think, because most uh, the only conservatives in this country are in the grand old party. and it, But the grand old party is uh, not, you know, in general— just on its face, is not trustworthy anymore. I I make that statement all the time, and I hope that you'll just hear me. So I don't doubt that the enthusiasm in Texas uh, by turnout uh, weighted towards the Republicans. I'm not doubting that at all. The problem is what kind of Republicans? What kind of Republicans? I, I had an article, which I don't have in my hand, and now I won't be able to remember his name. So, But I will tell you there's one Congress person who um, won uh, a runoff uh, between him and a conservative whose name I can't. I'm sorry, but I just have to tell you the story because I have a point in telling you this. I'll find it. I think he has a a Dutch last name. Um, And um, uh, the the analysis of that race was that the the sitting incumbent was very much a rhino. He voted for the January 6th commission uh, and other things that are egregious to many of us. And so his challenger, his challengers pointed that out, and the one that came in second uh, um, certainly pointed that out. So what's happened? If things had gone according to course, then that it could. it's true that perhaps that the GOP had an enthusiasm edge that more Republicans turned out, uh, but they would have in that race elected a guy who's not a friend to conservatives. Uh, now, in this particular race, as irony would have, this particular congressman found himself in Wiley, uh, towards the end of his campaign and then in ensuing days in the midst of a terrible scandal. Turns out he's had, had an affair with a, a woman known as the ISIS princess, affiliated with ISIS. Uh, and she, the reason that she leaked it, she showed pictures. And so he had to withdraw from the race. How does that happen, by the way? Uh, he had to withdraw from the race, and now the conservative, one of the conservative challengers, is going to be the candidate for the Republicans. So that's, from my perspective, uh, I'm not happy for the guy who had the affair with the ISIS bride. What is he doing? But I'm happy he's out, and I'm happy that a conservative is going to take his place. And why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because you there are primaries all over uh, the country that are left. And the key is in finding candidates that are actually conservatives, not that just not just a person that says Republican, because that really doesn't mean anything. And that reminds me, Elise Stefanik, who is charged with uh, finding new Republican candidates, it's, um, has unveiled new endorsements for the 2022 midterm elections. Now, I grant you that Elise was good on the J6 commission, and she was she was a good defender of President Trump in many ways, but Elise is not a conservative. I don't even think she's pro-life. Uh, I, I, if anybody, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head because I needed to, I really need to look up her record, but I know she, I'm pretty sure she is not pro-life. And so um, she has been charged with finding Republican women to run in these races around the country, and she's done a blockbuster job. She's been working with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, she has a ton of money to give these candidates, and she's identified several of them. Now, now, let me be clear. Every candidate that Elise Stefanik sponsors, I'm not saying is bad. I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying she's the wrong person to choose these candidates. And that's who Kevin McCarthy chose. And all the money 
that is in Congress to reelect candidates is going to go to the people that she's chosen. And I'm telling you, the only way you should support these female candidates is if you see Freedom Freedom Works, America Family Association, our AFA PAC, um, uh, uh, Senate's Conservatives Fund, uh, Freedom Fund. Those are those are the conservative outlets who will endorse candidates. If these people are not being endorsed by them or supported by individually strong conservatives that you know for a fact, work against them. And you've still got time. In many of the states, you've still got time. I will tell you, um, let's see, I will tell you where primaries are still remaining. So you can see that means that you could still file. You could still get behind someone. Oregon, let's see. Oregon's primary closes today. Eight for filings, I mean. Idaho, March the 11th, Georgia, March the 11th, California, March 11th, Illinois, March 14th, Montana, March 4th. Just, you know what, I'll just read uh, the states, and then you can look yourself uh, to see when the filings are closing. Montana, Maine, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Utah, Iowa, Nevada, South Dakota, Missouri, South Carolina, they have not closed their filing. So if you know, uh, you know, pay attention, look to see who's running, who's your congressman, who's running, and who do you need to be supporting. And uh, just because they're Republicans, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We will not change this country if we uh, elect a bunch of rhinos. We won't. And by the way, I will put this article on our uh, Getter page uh, written by Conservative HQ, George Rasley. It's it's the primaries, stupid. <laughs> That's the name of the article. It's the primary, stupid. And uh, that'll give you the dates and give you some background, a little bit more detail than what I was able to go into right now. And by the way, there's a rift. I want to talk about this at greater length. Um, uh, thank you, Adam. He just uh, printed for me. It's Representative Van Taylor, who was the one who had the affair with the ISIS bride. And Keith Self is the new conservative candidate who will be the Republican nominee for that district. That's Texas 3. There's a big fight going on in the Senate, which I'm actually pretty happy about, to be honest with you. Rick Scott of Florida has taken on Mitch McConnell in the caucus, and it's causing quite a dust-up. I need to spend a whole lot of time on this, but it's amazing. Rick Scott has presented a plan that he thinks Republicans should run on. Mitch McConnell is very upset with him. And it's the first time we've seen since McConnell's leadership someone actually challenge him openly like that. I'm not saying he's challenging him for his job. I'm talking about challenging his leadership in other ways. It's really good news as far as I'm concerned. So stay tuned. I'll tell you more about it when we have a chance. I hope to get Senator Scott on with us. All right, but coming up next, I think, I think we have our guest uh, on uh, the Katanji Brown Jackson. We'll find out. Sandy Rios in the morning. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch 
for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's not by chance that Jesus refers to his church as the body. Just as it is with our physical bodies, every member has a distinct role and function to fulfill. Unfortunately, in this era of celebrity Christianity, we've reduced the concept of ministry solely to what occurs in what is often little more than Sunday productions and performances. The key to thriving in God's kingdom is understanding that every member in the body of Christ is vital and is called to ministry. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A plausible argument can be made that environmental zealots like Greta Thunberg, the poster girl of a children's crusade aimed at weaning the world off fossil fuels, helped create today's soaring energy prices. Western nations are contemplating intensifying this crisis by ending imports from the principal beneficiary of such green activism and one of its sponsors, Vladimir Putin's Russia. Such a cutoff could actually advance the Green New Deal agenda namely making oil, natural gas, and their byproducts prohibitively expensive if the predictable economic train wreck that would follow is to be avoided. Sources and quantities of supply in Europe and here are going to have to be greatly diversified and expanded. Read, reversing virtually all of Joe Biden's ideologically driven energy policies. That includes avoiding creating new and perilous supply chain dependencies on communist China for so-called renewable solar, wind, and battery technologies. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It it, it is a parallel universe, Mark, to be honest. Uh, I would never have dreamt, um, you know, uh, even relatively recently, that the President of the United States would not only be so bent on giving Iran nuclear weapons, which is what this deal actually does. It's just a pretense that it in any way slows down or prevents them becoming a dangerous nuclear power. 
it, uh, it, 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 it paves their way. This, this deal was created by President Obama. And ever since he entered office, President Biden has been determined to get it back on track after Trump took it off its tracks. And, and he will stop at nothing to achieve that. He sees it as not only restoring Obama's legacy, but also creating his own legacy. And the very idea that we should be using as a go-between between the United States and, Russia and uh, Iran, we should be using the very country to negotiate a nuclear deal that has been threatening us with nuclear attack in, just in the last few days, and that has been firing on nuclear power stations. And we want to use them in some way as a, uh, a, a mediator, some way to facilitate negotiations between Iran. It is, it is total insanity. And I think, you know, it, it, the Israelis keep reminding us, and we should bear this in mind regarding Russia directly as well. The, the Iranians keep reminding us that when a leader threatens us with annihilation, whether it be uh, the, the supreme leader in Iran or whether it's Putin in Russia threatening us with annihilation, which they have done. They've, they've, the um, Khomeini has made it very clear that he sees Israel as a country that needs to be destroyed and eliminated, and he plans to do so by nuclear weapons. That's Colonel Richard Kemp. He was on with Mark Levin, and he was one of the, well, he's one of the great leaders in Britain who still has his head screwed on straight. Unlike the head of MI6 I played for you yesterday, who was, uh, you know, saying that the worst problem we had with Russia was uh, their stand on LGBT issues, and that's what he was really upset about. So, no, but Richard Kemp is not like that, and um, he makes a great point, and I don't think I've even touched on this. At least I might have touched on it, and I'm actually hoping to do a a long-form interview on this, but... Uh, the Biden administration is in the process of negotiating with the Iranians. They may even be done by now. I'm, I'm a little confused about that part. But if you will recall during the Obama years, and some of you won't recall this, so I guess I should tell you that President Obama, Obama gave, let's just say, favored the Iranian mullahs in ways that were shocking. We gave them money. We gave them cover. They meanwhile they're shouting death to America in their their whatever version of parliament that they have, shouting all the time death to America. They wanted to destroy us, but Obama was just fine with that. In fact, you may recall that uh, once in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, wherever it was happening, uh, they delivered the American government delivered pallets upon pallets of cash to the Iranians in the dead of night. Uh, videos uh, were leaked of that, and so that's how we saw that. We gave the Iranians so much, and of course, what were they doing? They are developing nuclear weapons. Of course, they said, it, well, it's, not, it's only for you know nuclear power. It's not for weapons, which was an abject lie. We had UN uh, people watching, you know, watchers, whatever they call them, monitoring their, 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 uh, uh, their, their sites where they were developing their nuclear power, but there was a lot of it that was shut off and could not be seen and inspected. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Obama administration didn't care too much about that. And so that's the, that is the mess that President Trump inherited. And the first person to jump into this and explain the dangers of it was Ted Cruz. I'll never forget. Honestly, there was this rivalry between, as you recall, Ted Cruz was running for president and, uh, President Trump was running for president. They were both one of the 12 candidates, I think, on the Republican side. 
And Ted Cruz um, asked Donald Trump to come to his rally uh, at the White House, uh, not at the White House, but in Washington at one of the plazas against the Iran deal. It was called JCOPA. It was, uh, it was horrible. And he, he's the one who actually pulled President Trump into this and explained it and um, briefed him on it. And President Trump then, when he did win and took office, got right on it and just shut it down. And, of course, the world was shocked, shocked that somehow we would pull out of that deal and dry up the Iranians' uh, money pool, their pile of money, uh, stop buying Iranian oil, stop enriching them uh, not, so that they could not develop nuclear weapons. Well, we, under President Trump's presidency, I can just tell you, this is not an exaggeration. We stopped them. We cut them off at the knees. And they have not been able, you haven't heard much from Iran, have you, lately? That's because they were cut off at the knees. But now, the Biden administration has been negotiating with them. And the lead negotiator is a Russian. And this Russian negotiator, let's see, what is his name? His name is, um, it doesn't say. This is a Russian negotiator. Uh, so he was uh, on video in the middle of this uh, negotiation. He was in a room, like sitting by a fireplace, and he's actually boasting about how Russia, China, and Iran have teamed up to con the U.S. on America uh, on Iran's remarkable nuke deal. Now, he speaks broken Russian, uh, broken... <laughs> I'm sure he speaks very good Russian. I sound like Joe Biden. Nobody speaks really, I hope not. He speaks uh, broken English, but let's listen. I think you'll find it interesting. Mikhail Yulianov. Here it is, clip one. Iranian colleagues are fighting for Iranian nuclear uh, national interests like lions. <laughs> Indeed, I'm very serious. They fight for every comma, every word. Uh, and uh, as a rule, quite successfully. I must recognize that. Uh, uh, do you think that this could be a good deal for Iran? Because there have been different arguments inside the I'm, I'm, I, I'm absolutely sincere in this regard. Iran got much more than it could expect. Much more. Realistically speaking, uh, Iran got uh, more than frankly, I expected, others expected. This is a matter of fact. Our Chinese our friends were also very uh, efficient and useful as co-negotiators. We could rely on, on each other on many, many points. And on many, many points, through joint efforts, we succeeded. I can recollect dozens of such cases when on rather serious, significant questions we managed together to get positive results close to what we wanted to achieve. Okay, now, I know that it was hard to understand. Let me tell you kind of what he said. You heard laughter there. He said, uh, the mullahs, uh, our Iranian colleagues, they fight for every a comma. Uh, they fight for everything, and actually they're quite successful. Uh, absolutely, to be honest with you, they got much more than we could expect, certainly much more than I expected and much more than anyone could expect. Our Chinese friends were very per effective as co-negotiators, uh, and they managed to get together to get uh, uh, exactly what they wanted, uh, laughter. So that's uh, who was negotiating for, that, for, the, you know, for us, with us. 
Yeah, and Iran got everything. What does that mean? That means that we, uh, allegedly, according to the news, are going to be starting to buy Iranian oil now? We're going to shun Russian oil and take Iranian oil, which will, let's see, it will enrich Iran, and they will take that money and just build nuclear power plants, right? That's all they're going to do with it. It is... It's stunning. In fact, Colonel Richard Kemp, um, taught, he weighed in again a little bit further. I want you to hear this conversation with Mark Levin. This is clip seven. Let's listen. Putin has threatened us with nuclear weapons. And the Israelis remind us frequently that when somebody like that threatens you, you must take it seriously. Of course, many of their people suffered the consequences of a leader in the past, Adolf Hitler, who threatened to annihilate them and did so to a very large extent. So we cannot allow this to continue. We should not be allowing any form of normalized relationships with Russia. I believe we should sever diplomatic relations anyway. We should probably stop any Russians from traveling to our countries. We should certainly cut off trade totally with Russia, isolate them, make them a pariah state, certainly not use them to negotiate a nuclear deal with a country that has a proven track record of terrorism, extremism that, dis, that that intends to have a nuclear missile arsenal that will not only threaten the Middle East, not only threaten Israel, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, other countries in the Middle East, it will also directly threaten us because his ballistic missile program is not designed to deliver nuclear weapons into just the Middle East. It's designed to have the range to deliver nuclear missiles into Washington, D.C. and London as well. So th- this is not a situation we can tolerate. The deal should be immediately stopped. Negotiations for the deal should be immediately stopped. And as we should isolate uh, Russia, we should also isolate and cut off relations with Iran. They should both be pariah states and, and their leaders should be brought down if we possibly can. Uh, and, and hopefully with more reasonable leaders installed that we can do business with and that don't threaten our countries and our people as both of these despots have been doing. Colonel Richard Kemp, again, with Mark Levin. Great long-form interview. Everything he said was brilliant. But I just wanted you to know that's what's happening. While we're watching Ukraine, uh, the Biden administration is negotiating with Iran, giving them money. Uh, They're also negotiating to to give them money and let uh, some of their terrorists that we've been holding out. And that reminds me of uh, Guantanamo Bay. This is another story. This would be other kinds of, you know, terrorists. Uh, but the, the det- detainee in Guantanamo, known as the 20th hijacker, has been sent home by the Biden administration. He's going to get mental health treatment. So, and I want to remind you that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is still down in Guantanamo, and he is the one who planned the entire 9-11 plot to take down the World Trade Center. He's still alive. They never brought him to justice. He actually asked for the death penalty. But they know they've let him live. I'm sure he's very, you know, remember, does anybody remember Guantanamo uh, Bay where we've been keeping all these prisoners all these years where they, you know, gain 20 pounds, they have the workout gyms, uh, the the guards can't do anything to offend them. Well, of course, that started under the the Obama administration. Uh, But um, so now the Biden administration has released the 20th hijacker of 9-11, of the World Trade Center bombings that killed 3,000 Americans. He's going to be leaving uh, to get mental health treatment. So uh, we are are in great hands. Don't you think we are in great hands with this particular administration? And that's why when I tell you about these midterms, it's as serious as death that you get out and figure out who's running. 
And who is the real conservative? Where you live, whether it's it, and, and that's why we need to get these horrible senators. And most of them are horrible. I would say most of them are horrible. And even if they're just not doing anything, they need to be gone. They need to be gone. And so that's going to require the American people, us, you know, unwashed masses uh, who are barely making, uh, ability, able to pay for our gas right now, uh, getting busy and fighting and, uh, bear, uh, you know, buckling down. And that takes, brings me to the to trucker convoy, which I haven't talked much about at all because it's been hard to get information on them. But let me just say, they have become a huge movement. There's something like a thousand vehicles circling uh, the, the Beltway in D.C. There was one of the reasons uh, there was confusion. It would not surprise you, would it, that truckers are independent and they have different views? And so there were several different convoys because they had different views and they came from different geographical areas. And as a matter of fact, uh, they had a little problem with their leadership and they some wanted to go into the district because they're mad. They're mad. They just want to go into D.C. and display their strength. And others said, don't do that because it's a trap. And so that's been one of the big conflicts, and you can understand. So 1,000 have been circling the Beltway. They did it uh, over the weekend, and they've been staying in Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, and uh, But there are people all, you can see pictures of people on all the bridges, the overpasses, you know, waving, uh, waving American flags. Thank you, truckers. And, of course, why the unifying thing is that they are against the COVID mandates. Uh, some of them are, uh, have plans to go into Washington and meet with members of Congress. Of course, if Nancy Pelosi will let them in, that's really interesting because they're making everyone check in and report why they're there and what they want to talk to their congressman about. It has become really untenable. And the only hope that we have right now is through our process, and that is replacing these horrible people who have considered themselves to be your representatives, and they have failed so miserably. So we need to get them out through the system. So please check your local election, the deadlines, and who's running, and get busy. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.